You're listening to Grow, Cook, Inspire. I'm your host, Helen Cross, and this is a very special RHS Chelsea Flower Show preview series, supported by Caledonian Horticulture. And welcome to episode two of my exclusive RHS Chelsea Flower Show preview series, where I am going behind the scenes to chat with some of the designers who have been tasked to design a garden supported by Project Giving Back for a charity organisation. In today's show, I'm chatting with the award-winning garden designer Polly Wilkinson, and we'll be chatting about the garden she's creating for the charity Mothers for Mothers. Now, I should highlight that today's episode discusses mental health. Now, this week, it's also worth mentioning that it is National Gardening Week, which is celebrating the joy that our gardens and green spaces can bring to ourselves as well as our communities, highlighting the feel-good power of plants. Now, as well as it being National Gardening Week, it's also Maternal Mental Health Week. And for me, both are really closely linked. For me personally, gardening has been a lifeline, especially over the last two years during the pandemic and the various lockdowns. Like many, many people, I was stuck at home with three very small young children while my husband worked away as a doctor. Now, I have suffered from anxiety and depression since the birth of my first child seven years ago, and um, it often got worse during pregnancy. Now, motherhood is exhausting, it's challenging and it's often really tedious and it's okay to, to say that. It's also relentless and can often be very isolating and the pandemic really magnified these issues. The charity Maternal Mental Health Alliance believes that one in five women will suffer from mental health problems during and after pregnancies and one in seven will try to disguise and downplay how unwell they, they often feel. Now, while gardening is not going to be the answer for everyone, and it's not going to eradicate all mental health illnesses, if if only it were that simple, um, but it can help to distract and soothe and recharge tired and frazzled minds. It's part of my toolkit, as well as a whole host of other things which I use to try and keep the black dog at bay. Um, Polly's Garden, which, um, as I mentioned, has been sponsored by Project Giving Back, is titled This Too Shall Pass. And this is a phrase that is that's often used by people when they're discussing the navigation of motherhood and the highs and lows that, that come with it. The garden which she has designed for Chelsea 2022 explores maternal mental health and the challenges of motherhood which have been really, really heightened over the last two years. Now, Polly was also a counsellor in a previous life, so I expect that this garden will make a powerful impact on the audiences, both at Chelsea and at home. And really, I hope it gets people talking about the issues which she's trying to raise. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. It's um, a really worthwhile one. Good 
morning, Polly. How are you? Morning, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. It's Monday. Um, children are at school and at nursery, so it's all good. Freedom! <laughs> are you still in your February half term? No, thankfully it finished. They're <laughs> back at school. <laughs> all good. So, Polly, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And um, as you know, this series of interviews that I'm doing is leading up to Chelsea Flower Show in May of this year, um, which I'm really excited about because it's been a while since Chelsea's been in May uh, due to um, the pandemic, etc. But um, before we start talking about um, your involvement in the show this year, I want to talk a little bit about you and your background. And I mean, what what is January, February time like for a garden designer? Are you in full planning mode for clients? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, actually. I would have said pre-COVID, January and early February is kind of the nice quiet time uh, where usually you're working on projects. You've been ongoing for a while. Uh, inquiries are, are definitely quieter in January and February. People aren't really thinking about their garden. So it's quite a nice time of just getting work done, doing some planting. But actually, since COVID, there is no quiet time. Uh, and I think that's something which a lot of people in my industry are saying it's uh, every month is busy now so it's yes it's strange and well this is because gardens our own gardens and green spaces have been put on such a pedestal so I guess it's it's the sort of green positive legacy that's come out of the last two awful years would you agree with that absolutely no question I think it's a wonderful silver lining to a horrendous couple of years is that people seem to have really turned, turned their attention to their gardens in a way which isn't just about turning them into a you know a paved space with a table on it but actually looking at them as usable delightful space uh, for them for wildlife um, so it's wonderful to see that people care so much more about their gardens rather than seeing them as what a bit of an inconvenience actually yeah, exactly. And like you say, they are not just sort of a, an extension of your house, although they are an extension of your house, but it's part of a much bigger picture, part of nature. And they can have a role in in helping the wider environment as well as having a beautiful space to sit out and for kids to play in as well, I think. Exactly so. I am seeing a, a slow but gradual shift towards People just being a bit more comfortable with wilder spaces or, or more plants. I think there was a bit of a fashion until quite recently, and certainly in certain areas, I guess it's still going, where it was all blocks and render and lots of paving and very little plants. And I think there is a move away from that, which I'm delighted to see, just to, to bring in more planting and make it all a lot more pollinator friendly, a lot more wildlife friendly. Definitely, definitely. I couldn't agree more. Um, so, Polly, you've not always worked as a garden designer um, you had spent 10 years you're based down in London and you worked in legal marketing which is a far cry from garden design what <laughs> what caused the shift for you to um to jump ships and move career yeah I mean I think I fell into legal marketing I started out as a management consultant and then sort of made a sideways move into business development for, for law firms and it was ultimately through a lack of knowing what I wanted to do with my life which I think is really common and I'm so jealous of people that sort of grow up knowing what they want to be from from a young age it must be amazing to have that calling I don't um, think 
does I think that's 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 a lie (laughs) do you think well I don't know because I think you know I came to this relatively well later in life in in so far as you know I did over a decade elsewhere before I realized and actually it was the I guess I don't want to use the word luxury because it's very hard work but it was actually having children yeah that made me realize I, I knew I wanted to work for me that was something I really wanted to do but if I was going to have kids in nursery from a young age it better be something which just paid bills and it was as a result of having children that I was able to make that transition really which is where I use that word luxury because it it was you know the little mornings in nursery where I was able to retrain Mm -hmm. um, and slowly slowly grow the business as the children have grown so you know whilst it was a massive challenge looking after very young kids and I'm sure we'll get onto that in a bit then equally it did afford me the opportunity to sort of step away from one career and move on to another which is not something that everyone can do. No absolutely I I totally agree and in that sense I know why you're using the word luxury but you've obviously from from your work and your designs I can see online you have such a creative drive in you and you obviously you're a very creative person and you you really want to focus on that creativity and I think I often look at gardening as a bit like art because you've got a blank canvas and it's just another way of expressing yourself and allowing people to express themselves as well but through planting I guess which um which I love um and you're obviously very very good at it <laughs> oh, thanks yeah it's um it's interesting my mother's an interior designer my brother designs hotels so there's a lot of creativity in the family and I guess it was uh, I always knew I wanted to do something creative I just didn't know what (laughs) so it was sort of waiting for the right moment I guess yeah and I think having children does change you as a person um, and it also opens up new doors and allows you I guess do you feel that you've maybe found a bit more of yourself without sounding a bit sort of too cliche since having children and then going into gardening design in the way you have completely completely I I feel like I did what a lot of people do, which was follow the treadmill of go to school, go to uni, yep. get, a, get a respectable job from a, you know, one of the big employers from the universities and then just sort of work. And I, for me, that was, you know, that's what I did. I did that sort of, that train is what a lot of us do. And, and it was actually having children going, hang on, I, I really don't want to trek an hour and a half into London every day for a job that doesn't make me feel happy. So it was a case of going, if I'm going to work, then it better be on something rewarding. And so, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to retrain. And and now I feel I absolutely love my work. I like Sunday evenings. I do not get the dreads. If anything, I'm really looking forward to Mondays. And that's a real privilege, I think. No, it's, I can hear that in your voice as well. And it's it's really lovely, lovely to hear. Um, So legal marketing, gardening design, and then... (laughs) In between there, somewhere, I'm not sure where, I'm going to find out, you also trained as a counsellor, which is what I'm really interested in. Where where did this fit in and why? Yeah, so this I did this while I was working in legal marketing. And I think ultimately it was the start of that journey of figuring out what the next step for me should be. I felt, you know, marketing for very large law firms um, didn't really scratch my creative itch or my sort of people focused itch I guess and so I thought I trained in the evenings for three years to be a counsellor and that sort of I guess it rounded out 
my experience at that time because it allowed me to be very people centric, very empathic and and really flex a different muscle. So it was it was a means of trying to sort of fulfill that need for something more, I think, than than my corporate work. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did that evenings and weekends for three years before I had kids. Um, I worked with young people. I worked with mothers and people from all walks of life, actually, in various charities. So it was such a special time for me. It was only actually having children made me realise personally that I just wasn't able to be a counsellor and a mother of very young children that I had very close together. Yeah, I just there's a lot of giving of oneself as a new mother, I think. And I just wasn't able to also give to clients, which is when I sort of stopped practicing. No, I think that would be a very difficult balance because as a mother and especially as a new mother and actually it never it never goes away. It is emotionally draining. And then to have clients who also need you, um, it's just a hard balance to get right. I, I couldn't do it. My husband's a doctor and I mean, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't do what he does either, to be honest. Um, it's um, it takes a very special skill. But in saying that your work as a therapist and your creativity in garden design have really come together and I think this is going to be really evident at this year's Chelsea Flower Show of which you're you're no stranger to and you've picked up a few awards um, along your time but tell me about the very special garden that you are working on for the charity Mothers for Mothers. Yes so the garden I'm creating it's called This Too Shall Pass and the reason being I just I have that mantra in my head from when I was a mother of young children of those different phases of your child won't sleep and you spend hours Googling, how can I make my baby sleep? And (laughs) you're so in it at the time and you can't see that you will ever come through it. And I just remember my mum, friends, midwives, everyone would say this too shall pass. It's just a phase. You will get through it. And it's, it's stuck with me and and it's now something I say to my friends who are having kids. So it's, but it's also a nod towards people's mental health journey. And obviously this is a very complex area, but, but the same applies when I was working with clients, you know, we were working perhaps with depression or anxiety, these feelings pass, they come and they go. So to me, there's sort of a duality in the, in the wording there of what the garden means, but it's very much focused, this wonderful charity, Mothers for Mothers, they work with perinatal mental health which I didn't know what perinatal meant Mm -hmm. prior to this and I I suspect maybe but it means expectant or new mothers yep um so their amazing work is all about peer support so it's it's women with lived experience of maternal mental health helping to sort of shepherd women in it through their experience so it's very much sort of hand in hand side by side support which I think is incredibly special and so the entire garden is is focused on that journey of uh, sickness to wellness really from so the garden on one side will denote depression and anxiety and and sort of turmoil and then will transition to something far more joyful and exuberant as as the colour comes back into your life as I think personally many mothers whether unwell or just struggling with motherhood it's hard we'll be able to identify with that feeling of lost identity and then sort of start slowly starting to get small pieces of yourself back as your children grow Uh, I'm getting goosebumps listening to you um 
And I think I said to you when we were emailing one another during the last two years on our blackboard in the kitchen, I had written up this too shall pass. And um, and you're right, these feelings of anxiety, which you do, because I mean, I, I suffered from postnatal depression after my first son was born. And again, during my next two pregnancies. And for me over the last two years during the pandemic with my husband working as a doctor, at one point I had three kids under five at the start of the pandemic. And it was, I felt that I was never gonna come out of this dark hole and it just oh. felt never ending. And I suffered from really bad health anxiety for the last two years. And fortunately I've managed to get some support through our wonderful NHS, but it does pass. It might not seem at the time and it's a really, really horrible place to be in. And um, but I love the idea of you coming through almost like a tunnel and coming through out the side where there's sort of colour and there's light as well. Um, oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing it, Polly. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry you've gone through that. I really, I really feel for you. I mean, three under five, even in the most mentally strong place ever, is an incredible challenge. Let alone, you know, if you're struggling at all with your mental health, I just think that's uh, it can feel very lonely, very isolating. Yeah, it was a very isolating experience. And I know I'm not alone, but I mean, I have, I've, I've had some wonderful support um, and I'm so glad I, I spoke out and, and got the support, not only for myself, but for my family and my friends as well, to be honest. Um, so going back to the garden, are you, I don't, I'm not sure how much you're allowed to sort of, um, to give away, but what sort of planting can we, can we ex expect from it? Well, so interestingly, the garden is in a new category called All About Plants. So the brief for the for the gardens in this category is it has to be 80 percent plants, okay. which is quite challenging, actually, because it means you have to be really limited on your on your hardscape. But it also means what those plants, what the plants you choose are really important because it's all about plants. So for and everyone's interpreted that differently. And for me, it was about using the plants to express a mood so I've very much gone quite somber on one side it will be I mean dare I say well yeah it's going to be quite low mood so it's very it's very green there's going to be some blues in there you know as a bit of a nod towards sadness I don't know why I sort of equate sadness with blue you know um and potentially I'm I'm playing around and I haven't quite landed on it yet because it's finding the right plant but I want to have these little spikes of red in there because I don't know about you but I just really remember the red mist yes of anger as every, young motherhood every morning yeah the red I've mean, never felt before I was a mother but that sort of not to 60 rage so I just want those little pops of red um but also because you know depression is anger turned inwards and so I wanted to have a bit of a nod towards that as well so the we start with this very sedate low mood planting and then as you move through the garden there's a pathway that goes through the the garden the colors start to get a lot more joyful a lot more exuberant and and I'm gone I've gone full pretty uh, I really have I've gone very feminine blousy roses irises geum peonies I mean it's everything that makes well makes me sort of coo and clap my hands um so it's and it's frankly it's just very girly and it's uh but you know not in a not in a saccharine way but in a you know pinks and apricots and zesty limes 
I want it to be a garden that hopefully a lot of women really love because it's for them. Yeah, I love the sound of it already. I really do. It's my kind of garden. <laughs> oh, good. Pinks and colour and blousiness. The more, the more of that, the better. <laughs> um, so are you working with anyone else on the design? Are there any other people that you're sort of collaborating with or is it just yourself? Uh, so the design is all mine. And yep. but I'm working with some amazing artisans who are building elements of the garden and who have sort of had an input in how we'll create things. So I'm working with a brilliant carpenter called Ollie, who will be creating the bench. And we're, we're going through iterations of it at the moment because the bench is almost the most important element of the garden because it represents that sort of side by side support from the charity. But we're trying to somehow carve out of a solid piece of wood a sort of an undulating female form which is also a bench um so but it's it's just playing with you know playing with the wood and ollie is an absolute master so it's just that's really fun and then i've got jay davy who's a willow weaver weaving some willow for the for the back of the garden so it's um it's really fun working with these artisans who are so skilled yeah totally Oh, wow. And where will the garden be? Will it be in the pavilion? Is that correct? Or have I got that wrong? No, you're right. It's in the pavilion. So that's uh, which comes with its challenges. So there's there's four of us in this new category and we're all in the pavilion. So what a lot of people probably wouldn't even think about when they look at it is we are not allowed to dig in the pavilion at all. Right. So, yeah, oh, which is a challenge. <laughs> So not only are we designing a garden, but we're designing a garden in a way that isn't the day job, really, because I don't tend to build gardens that are on a stage. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's a challenge there in trying to figure out how you create a garden that's not going to fall over. And crucial. You know, yeah, crucial. No one would like that. So it's going to be built up. And so essentially the garden is raised to 50 to 70 centimetres. And so you'll slightly look up at it, which actually is quite a dramatic change. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the effect. Wow. Well, that does mm. sound exciting. I hadn't, I hadn't given that any thought about not being able to dig. But um, wow. OK, cool. That's really exciting. Um, now, you're no stranger, as I said, to Chelsea. But um, I think, to be honest, do you feel that Chelsea is slightly changing? I think September, it just seemed to be a lot freer and much more expressive. Um, do you think that is something that we're going to see more of in May? Do you think the designs are going to be much more naturalistic? Did I say sort of realistic for us to sort of implement ideas back home? Because often Chelsea can be quite off-putting because it just seems so far out of the public's reach to recreate anything like that. Well, I think Chelsea can be really interesting because, you know, if you think of, for example, the Welcome to Yorkshire Gardens of previous previous mm -hmm. years, that's almost a snapshot of the landscape. And so you could argue that that was very realistic or you could argue that you can't replicate it. It sort of depends on your garden. If you have a tiny garden in London, I, I think you probably see that as fairly unattainable. But equally, as you say, there are other times where you see something which is maybe more polished and much more about the hardscaping and, and dare I say, more about a design than maybe a landscape. And someone might think that's very accessible and some some might think that's going to look ridiculous in a very country garden. You know, I think Chelsea has a bit for everyone and that's what I love. And I think it's really interesting that sometimes it, it can seem a bit like a fashion show. You know, when suddenly you realise everyone's gone with, I don't know, a floral dress 
out of yeah. several different fashions. It's the <laughs> same with the gardens. It, it seems to be sometimes coincidental that and a lot of people go in the same direction. But actually, having had a sort of a bit of a preview of what's going to happen this year, yeah. I think it's a real split. And we've got some beautiful naturalistic gardens, which are, you know, would be very well suited to to more rural spaces. But then there are also some urban gardens going in, which I'm delighted to see too, because it, it has to work for a lot of different people. It's not fair to only appeal to people that have acres of space or only have, you know, a tiny space. One hopes that you can go around and, and extract something from at least one or two of the gardens, which you could take home. Mm -hmm. Totally, no, excellent. And so what sort of, um, what are the key sort of flowers we're going to see, do you reckon? Is there going to be a sort of particular focus on any sort of set of particular plants? And just generally for 2022? Such a great question, because there's always a standout flower, isn't it? it? Was I think 2019, was that the lupin? There were a lot of lupins. Yeah, I yes. Lupin. <laughs> but there's also, you know, with Chelsea, largely, we're all working with plants that look good at that time of year. So, and I think that's often why we end up using a similar plant because there are only so many that are thriving at that time. And I, I guess another thing people don't think about with Chelsea, which is, you know, even looking outside today with the storms, I'm wondering, oh gosh, I wonder how my trees are doing in this weather. And, yeah. and you know, if it snows in March, that can change things quite differently to if we get a beautiful summer like we did, what, when COVID happened two <laughs> years ago and it was this glorious March. So I, I don't know what we'll see. I mean, I think, as you said, I do think it is going to go towards a wilder direction. So I'll be very interested to see what people will be using. I suspect perhaps not so many lupins this year because people yeah. tend to go, right, well, we saw that last year, so we'll try something different. So I don't know is the answer. Anticipation, excitement. No, it's, it's really exciting. It's, um, it's a great event. It truly, truly is. In terms of planting for sort of a mindfulness corner in your garden, um, what sort of plants would you consider growing if you wanted to create that sort of um, garden therapy element to any green space? Mm, well, I think a lot of mindfulness is being present in the space and it's about your yep. senses. So having something with a bit of swish so I, I often recommend putting something water related in in mindful spaces because it's an incredible way of uh, grounding to listen to to moving water but the same can be done with particularly with ornamental grasses can be gorgeous when they catch the wind that swish is a brilliant way of just grounding in the here and now and bringing you back to what can you hear what can you uh so having anywhere where your senses are triggered, I think. And, and that can be the same with, it can be to have pollinating, pollinator friendly plants in a mindfulness space, which are gonna attract the bees, having that sort of, again, it's the presence of mind to observe that bee on that flower. Those are the things which will bring you into the here and now. So it's having a feast for the senses, whether that be smells through herbs, whether that be grasses for sound, or whether that's pollinators for sight. I think all of those work really nicely. Excellent. So after, well, obviously, your day job is ongoing, what can we expect here? Any other exciting <laughs> Sorry, I've just been interrupted by my, my phone. Um, <laughs> sorry, can you repeat that one? No, of course. 
what can we expect from you throughout the rest of the year after after Chelsea? Ah, well, there's there's something else in the pipeline which I can't talk about yet. Um, oh. <laughs> but, pro- but probably by the time this comes out, it will be public knowledge. Okay. Um, so, uh, in, in which case, I probably can talk about it, can't I? Because it won't be out yet. Um, I'm planting the designing and planting the Festival of Roses cafe. Uh, garden for the RHS for Hampton Court Flower Show so that is going to be that will be absolutely lovely it's uh, going to be a beautiful cafe right outside the the Roses tent and because it's the Queen's Jubilee 70 years of service isn't that incredible we're going to be celebrating the Queen by I've chosen seven roses all in different tones from white through to, to, to burgundy and we're going to be using those those seven roses as sort of a a nod to each of the decades of service that she's done and um the, again real beautiful scrumptious roses roughly deliciousness uh, so i'm really excited to do that because it's great to have a have a good old play with planting with roses because i don't i don't often get them as a brief you know yeah well, what a privilege to be asked to do it as well i mean well done you thanks i'm really excited i absolutely love working at Hampton Court Flower Show. I'm just around the corner, so, and it's a, a privilege to be to be doing one which honors the Queen. Part of the world. I used to live there when we lived in London, just around the corner, so um, it is, it's a beautiful, beautiful space. Now, um, before we round things up, Polly, um, this season I am asking everybody one particular question, and um, the question is, if you were to be banished to a desert island, which plant or seed would you take with you and why? Oh, this is the hardest question in the entire world. <laughs> uh, I just find this the hardest question. I've never had favourites of anything. So whenever I have to pick one, it's such a struggle. Um, yeah, you too. <laughs> you'll give me two. Okay, very well. I'm just going to defy all logic here. And, and uh, because obviously it would be easiest just to say some sort of vegetable seed so that I can I can eat. But let's let's have some more fun with it and go with something completely frivolous okay um so oh i'm gonna go with a sweet pea <gasps> excellent i'm going with a sweet pea I, I mean at least i would have some lovely smelling little you know cheerful flowers on my island to keep me you happy could... i couldn't i couldn't eat them but they keep me busy yeah you could and you can save the seeds for next year <laughs> there you go you see the win win <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I'd starve but I'd have something pretty to look at that's fine that's fine listen Polly thank you so much for your time this morning I really appreciate it and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the garden at me and hopefully meeting you as well and um, so good luck with um, all the preparation thank you so much I've so enjoyed talking to you yep. okay take care Polly cheers A huge thank you to Polly for taking time out to chat with me and her garden will be heading to a city farm in Bristol where Mothers for Mothers is based after Chelsea Flower Show and it's hoped that the charity Mothers for Mothers are going to be setting up a new therapy garden at the city farm. 
If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed in today's show, I've highlighted some fantastic organisations that you can reach out to in the show notes. Thank you once again for listening. It really does mean a huge amount. And please do remember to share, review and subscribe to Grow, Cook, Inspire by however you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, take care. Bye. Grow, Cook, Inspire is supported by Caledonian Horticulture, who specialise in a range of peat-free horticulture products at their composting sites in the southeast of Scotland. Sustainability is at the very heart of everything they do, diverting valuable resources from landfill and protecting our environment. For more information, visit caledonianhorticulture.co.uk.